<laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Matt. And I'm Mel. And you're listening to Paper Cuts. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Matt, Mel, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with me. Thank you. Of course, thank you. And just to set the stage a little bit, where are each of you joining me from? Uh, I'm currently in my apartment in Chicago, um, in Humboldt Park. And I am in my apartment in Evanston, Illinois. Excellent. Yeah, so um, I guess by way of brief introduction, I met the two of you at various book fairs uh, in Chicago and New York and LA and have really loved what you've been doing with Candor Arts and just your attention to craft, uh, the way you've been approaching a collaborative endeavor with a larger community. Um, and I've been showing your books to my students and sending people like to your tables, to the fairs since, since I saw what you were working on. Um, but I guess to start uh, at this weird inflection point, like at this point, Candor Arts is transitioning to Candor Collective, correct? Yeah, yes. Um, and do you wanna talk a little bit about what Candor Collective is shaping up to be before we start digging into the past of Candor Arts? Um, sure, yeah. Um, so, so like, like Candor Arts, um, it is uh, yet another experiment um, of trying to make something healthy and built with care um, within uh, a harmful capitalist society. Um, and so, you know, our work as Candor Arts um, has been largely sort of looking at what else can be done to make um, a working life easier or better or more healthy for artists, particularly artists interested in publishing. Um, and as we grow and, and, and continue to do the work, learning our own, um, failures or lacks in that support and refining our project to best align with, um, with what we hope to see in, uh, yeah, in, a, in a society that supports artists. And so the Candor Collective is yet another refining, but a more major one, um, a, ma a more major restructuring of the project. Um, that looks at uh, that looks more closely at the the kinds of individualism and competition that our previous project still fostered, um, despite our efforts to um, pay for projects production and and pay artists as well from the sales. Um, where in this new model. Um, everyone will be making the exact same amount of money, um, no matter how well or poorly their project sells. So that's mostly what it's looking like. 
Um, yeah. I can go into more detail, but I feel like that was long already. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I did let me know. Yeah. No, that, that's great. I think that's such a good way to also put into focus what I think of as like your catchphrase for candor arts uh, in the previous iteration and that's still learning slogan, which seems to be at the heart of it, the constant refinement and examining what's happening and how to be a better version of, of yourself. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so maybe this is a good way to also just get into like what, uh, what you have learned through candor. And um, I'm wondering as we get into this, uh, Matt, you and Mel, when did you start working together for Candor? We started working together when um, I was done with my graduate program um, that I completed at SAIC in Chicago um, in uh, 2016, I believe I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> <that>? yeah. Um, <laughs> And um, I, after graduating, I was working for um, a professor at UFC who was um, part of a, a contributor to Lakeisha Leak's How to Make a Hood publication, which happened to be one of the first publications produced by Candor. Um, and so I went to the book release party of this publication because my former boss, Jacqueline Stewart had said, hey, why don't you go there? You like books, <laughs> I can't make it, um, let me know how it goes. And so um, I went with uh, my best friend, Zine, and I just said, I'm not gonna leave here um, until I can understand how I can be involved. <laughs> Um, and so I think from that moment on, I, 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 I talked to Matt a little bit that evening, um, at the book release. Um, but then I just, um, started emailing and started getting involved with candor. And the first project that I actively worked on was, um, Cecil's Cecil McDonald Jr.'s book, uh, in the company of black, um, and then from there, it just kind of uh, developed into, um, you know, a, a conversation of how we could align our paths. And there were obviously some, some hurdles because I'm not a citizen of the US. And so I had actually moved back to Germany after my um, OPT was completed. Um, which is a work program that you can apply for after you study in the United States. And so I'd, I'd moved back to Germany and then I came uh, back on a, on a business visa now with uh, joining Candor Arts. Um, so that, that was kind of the, the way that, that we evolved into becoming business partners. <laughs> That's great. And Mel, what were you studying at CIC? What was your graduate studies in? Uh, print media. Okay. And I previously also studied printmaking um, and book arts um, in my undergrad. So I've been, I never really took a bookbinding class, but uh, I've been interested in books and um, 
artist books specifically for as long as I feel like I can remember. <laughs> yeah, and um, I guess one thing to think about with that is just wondering, uh, how did you actually get into, into book arts? You had an interest in it, you never took a class in it, but you had really loved artist books for a while. Yeah, um, I mean, I think for me, books are so rich. I mean, well, one, I'm from Germany, obviously so much history in terms of bookbinding and printing um, that I think just filtered into my brain and I never really made that connection until much later on, um, that that is kind of part of my ancestry, I suppose. Um, whether it's direct or not, um, you know, it's just kind of in the in the national identity, I guess. Um, but I think I was always really interested in books as a vessel for time um, and and handing down information over generations, um, as well as just something that is an artistic medium that is haptic and totally attached to the maker's body and then in the in the viewing or experiencing and reading is attached to the uh, viewer consumer <laughs> um, and so that physical connection of literally transferring information through touch was something I was really interested in um, right from the beginning, I was never really interested in making something that just lives on a wall. Um, and so I think that that sort of that sort of opportunity that I see in artist books of being a physical link between time and people is something that's really rich to explore. Um, additionally, I also love the, the the whole structures that can be so versatile and I think I, I consider everything that I've done personally an artist book which probably nobody would think that when they see my work my personal work um, but just the ability to kind of like uh, unfold things on on multiple levels whether it's literally the unfolding of paper or it's like the unfolding of uh, of fabric or of structures or um anything like that i think is is really fascinating to me yeah absolutely and i should say as a timestamp, uh we're talking in august as i'm also getting ready for the fall semester so these words such as like the haptic quality of books objects that contain certain amounts of time and unfolding of multiple surfaces are things that i put into all of my syllabi that I'm <laughs> piping into now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess Matt, a similar question, uh, because I believe like you are the the founder of of Candor Arts. And when did Candor start uh in its initial iteration? Um, Candor officially started in Los Angeles in um in a spare bedroom um after i had been fired from a job um and i was trying to think of ways to make money that didn't destroy my soul and um and so first before candor was a publishing company it was basically me me making notebooks and boxes in this room 
um, and trying to sell them online. That's basically what it was for about a month and a half. <laughs> and then uh, Lakeisha asked me to make a book with her. Um, and I, I um, enthusiastically accepted. Um, and then I would say pretty immediately it became a publishing project. Amazing. Um, yeah. What year was that? That was the summer of 2015. Okay. Uh, or originally when, when the shop started. Um, and then by that, uh, by the end of the summer, Lakeisha and I were working on the, on the, on the layout of the book and stuff. And how long were you in Los Angeles for? 11 months. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I moved there for a specific job opportunity um, that didn't work out. And so by that following February, very randomly, uh, my former dean at SAIC, I, I used to teach in the um, continuing studies department. And she said, hey, somebody just pulled out of their contract and we have a class starting in two weeks. Um, would you take it? And so um, like my partner and I had already been thinking about moving. And so we made the leap. And uh, so I, I, I started teaching um, that semester. Wow, that's amazing. I want to, I honestly can't even remember what year that was. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I was in, I was in LA for 11 months. Um, yeah, I, I knew that you had started it in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. somehow probably from another conversation, but it seems like we either like overlapped in LA for just a couple months or just like, just missed each other. It could have been. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a super odd time. Because, um, you know, Candor definitely didn't answer the money problem. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I ended up shortly after starting Candor as like a business entity in L.A., like um, registered in L.A. Um, I got another job um, making someone's art for them. And like, which, which required like hammering like a thousand nails a day. Yeah. And which led to like, um, like a shoulder tendon injury. Uh, that was pretty severe where I was, you know, pretty regularly in physical therapy, um, uh, for, for until I left LA. Um, so it was a pretty weird time. Yeah. Yeah. LA is strange. I, I like it kind of and kind of really don't. Yeah, um, I love it. I love it a lot. And I, and yeah, I feel that as well. Yeah. Did you find, uh, so again, like part of what I think of when I think of Candor is like a community-based approach to a publishing project. And did you find a like arts community that you felt part of in LA while you were there? Um... At, at that time, I, I don't think I did. I, 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 um, I worked like a tiny, tiny bit with the, with Book Arts LA. I was like, um, mostly just sort of, um, you know, reaching out and, and learning from them a little bit. Um, because at this, you know, it's still at this time, my, my knowledge of bookmaking was really minimal. Um, you know, like the, if I were to make Lakeisha's book again, there's no way I would make it the same. I just didn't, so much of what I was doing was not uh, 
you know, it was just, um, I didn't have the experience to know any better. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, I don't think I had the, like, I didn't have the knowledge or experience or approach yet to even be able to, to, to really even know who to reach out to or, or where, um, you know, I, I worked really, um, part-time for Book Arts LA for a little while when I was there. Um, and even then, you know, when I think about myself using their board chair, like I, I probably didn't know what I was doing, you know, um, (laughs) you know, it was like really, really young, really, um, fresh in, into, um, to this work. So. And were you studying book arts, uh, in school prior to this or? No, I, I studied, um, photography at, at Columbia College in Chicago and um, the way in which I got into books was that you know the 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 project that I had completed as sort of like my graduating project thesis project um, a couple years later I applied for a grant to make it into a book and I got that grant and I learned very quickly that that amount of money will not um, produce the book for you. <laughs> and so I, I, um, there's a YouTube channel, Sage Reynolds, um, Sage Reynolds, like it's spelled like Reynolds wrap, like the aluminum foil. And, uh, it's this man who is an amazing bookbinding teacher. Um, and there's, I don't even know how many videos, probably between 50 and a hundred of anything you could possibly imagine uh like needing to make a book structure and so accordingly i used that grant money to pay for like the pages and materials um and then just followed sage along the journey of make building the books and so i made an edition of 10 of those and um and i love the process so much that that's that's really what got the ball rolling that was in I think 2012 that was that was in 2012 October 2012 that that began my interest in books um and then and that's when I started reaching out to friends and other people that were interested in book projects and asking if they'd be interested in making something together and at that time it was you know never more than 50 books that we would make yeah that's amazing I mean I love the idea of just that learning by doing process. Mm. And I feel like that's, uh, books are very addictive. Yeah. Right? And I know that I'm speaking to bibliophiles and makers, but I see this with students as well. As soon as they make one, it's like suddenly they wanna make like a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so when you moved back to Chicago, it really wasn't that much time before the release of the book that brought the two of you together to start working on Candor Collective. Uh, together yes yeah absolutely yeah it was quite fast um and and it was also a really lucky scenario where after moving back you know I think I was there for one month um before my friend Andy Christ invited um invited me to be a part of this studio that she was beginning to move into and um and we sort of built that out together and 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 it was basically 
the first time that I was ever able to have a a studio that wasn't a bedroom. Um, that's and awesome. That was, yeah, and that's where that that's the same space that Mel and I met in and worked in. So what when you moved to Chicago and found that space, or sorry, like built out that space, did you then bump up the edition numbers for the Candor books, or are you still sticking to like fifty copies? Because now you do two hundred or so, right? Right, right. Yeah. So at the beginning, it was relatively low. Um, um, you know, like Sarah J. Winston's was fifty. David Robert Elliott's was fifty. Alan Holtz was originally twenty-eight. Um, and then yeah, Cecil's was a hundred, which with that at that time was the largest we had ever done, and we also had the most help at at that time in terms of labor. Like um, Katie Chung was on the team at that time as well, and um, uh, our friend and collaborator Justin Nally was also um, uh, working with us as well, um, production wise. Well, so at that point, Candor is like three people producing the books. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like um, everybody, including me, uh, was working super part time. Yeah. Um, and so like I was still teaching three classes at the same time. Um, and so I think everybody was doing their best of like, what can I contribute? What hours can I put in amidst all the other jobs that I work? And yeah, so everybody was living that life at the same time so we didn't really have a like a team properly in terms of like a consistent full-time group until until mel when would you say that began maybe december of the of the or january of the following year um i want to i want to say it was like january of the following year after Cecil's project. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And that was when we had uh, Katie Chung, Hannah Batzel, Mel and myself very consistently for the next few years. So is that like 2017? That would have been like January, 2018, I think would Maybe. be when, when, when everybody was working, that this, this was their main job. Cool. So I guess for the both of you, like, I think Matt, you introduced the episode with a really clear set of ideas for what you want for Candor Collective. And at this point, say like June 2018, when there's the four of you working uh, for Candor Arts, like how are you envisioning, or what what do you what was your mission statement then? Like how were you working with people? What were your goals as a publisher at that point? Um, I think at that time. At that time, I think we, I think we believed that the kind of financial support we were providing in terms of funding people's projects so that they don't have to pay and, and, and through the same contract that, you know, if the project broke even that then everybody gets the same payout. Um, I think we believed that that was enough. Um, or that that was, um, I don't know, like resolving something. And I think down the road, we learned that that's not necessarily true. Um, and you know, 
it's always going to be imperfect. I'm not trying to say I'm, I don't think anyone is going to crack the code. I'm, um, oh yeah. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think it's like, there should always be this question of what can we do better? Mm-hmm. Does, does this actually align with our values? Um, and I think at the time we believed it did. Um, and so I, I thought, I think that makes sense. I think it's just through the experience of making, you know, since that point, um, I don't know, let's say another 27 books or something like that. <laughs> um, I think we learned that it is not enough and it's also not equitable, really. Um, because there's still competition and not um, like there's too there's too much variable um, when it comes to the treatment of every case of every project of every artist. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I guess the reason I was asking that is to like because uh, I feel like your process is very reflective and thoughtful. And I'm really curious just to trace some of your thought processes as you're moving from iteration to iteration of Candor and like Mm -hmm. reflecting on the process and getting yourselves in in the project more aligned with your values, which I think is incredibly important and not something that you hear people openly discussing very frequently. And I feel like you all have done that very well through your social media outreach and your newsletters and just the conversations you've had with people, which is something that I very much appreciate. Thank you. Um, I feel like when we first, sorry, just to to um, elaborate a little bit more, it's like when we first started or, you know, we, all of us, Katie, Hannah, Matt, and I were coming to the workplace as a, I mean, obviously, you know, and enjoying ourselves, liking books, but also as a, as a means to offer something to artists that we felt we were lacking um, ourselves, um, no matter as what kind of artist we see ourselves, whether it's full-time or part-time or very part-time. <laughs> um, it's, it was always a, there is always a trade-off that we saw in opportunities where it was, well, you can have this opportunity if you are willing to pay for it yourself. What you will get in exchange though, is this amazing opportunity with this amazing amount of uh, exposure. And just that that is is just such a bad place to start from. I mean, not to like poo-poo anyone's businesses or like ideas or anything like that. It's just very, very deeply sad that as artists, as cultural makers, that is what it comes down to is you can have this, but all you're going to get from it is exposure. And that's how much you're worth. And that that was the main flaw that that really drove the reason for starting to work but that in that we noticed over time that we ourselves started reinforcing some of those ideas because we got sucked into the the 
like machine, let's say, of of what capitalism um, makes artists do. Um, you know, so for example, when Cecil's book was nominated for an award, it became our instinctive effort to try to make works that could also get nominated for said award because that book ended up giving us an insane amount of exposure and then like it sold out immediately um you know just a, a reward that was that was exposure but also financial and we thought oh my god this is it this is how we can solve this riddle of course it's not you know because we haven't since been nominated for those awards you know it's so yeah. it, it it was a very kind of uh weird road where we kept getting as we moved away from the tracks we actually pushed ourselves back into the same tracks that are already there and so i think what is kind of the attempt at at the collective is is sort of like in essence what I think is also ties like a neat little rope around everything, which is like, it's, it's all world building. Like books are world building. It sounds super nerdy, but it's, it's like building a world outside of what we think the world offers us. And no, Mel, that is beautiful. I, <laughs> I love that, that phrase so much. Thank you for that. And please continue. I don't like, want to interrupt you. But I feel like it is, you know, it's, it's, it's that same thing of like, no, this isn't actually enough. So let's continue on and let's keep making. And I think that is also what draws me to artist books is that it's, it's, a, it's contained in a really small sort of simple way sometimes, but it can reach so far beyond its container. And I think that is ultimately like the basis of the of the still learning slogan which was also so basic but it's very much true and it's just this never-ending resource that we keep coming back to well we gotta go back to like let's keep learning let's keep thinking let's keep building a different scenario that is gonna provide us with something else that we have not yet seen yeah that's incredibly important to have that as like a guiding star to be following especially as you said like exposure does not pay the grocery bill like if, if that's all people are offering the artists they're working with it doesn't it doesn't help all that much mm -hmm. and again like chasing the things that you think will be getting awards or you think that some other audience uh wants to see is also going to be pulling you far away from your from your path that you want to be on yeah i think i think it's attached to worth like self-worth yeah. you know um candor arts is worth something because it was nominated for that award um or it made a book that was nominated for that award um this project is worth something because um of a certain dollar amount that can be paid out um and i think that recently i had a conversation with you know a uh, a longtime friend and collaborator who, um, you know, will be involved in the Candor Collective in the future, and and he said, "Well, how do I, how do like I earn my space?" And I feel like that, in a nutshell, is what 
the whole shift is about is that that you don't need to earn your space you are deserving of support already you don't have to earn your reason to be supported um and i feel like that's the main shift yeah that's a very important shift to to have and to like just be able to put into words and i wonder if that was a difficult thing for each of you to come to in your own personal practices just because we all live here in this country called capitalism Mm -hmm. and it's all pervasive right it gets into like our mindsets in ways that it's hard to decouple ourselves from So yeah, I'm wondering if that, uh, how you started to recognize that for yourselves before being able to implement it into into Candor. I think oftentimes we don't. Um, I think oftentimes we implement it for Candor before we do for ourselves. I think that's the truth of of a lot of the work that we've done. Um, And I don't know. Well, that's like probably not the healthiest way. It, at least it gets there eventually, you know? Um, you know, like I can pretty, I can pretty confidently say that I've personally been struggling with my mental health since probably July of 2018. Yeah. Um, which was around the time that I would say candor was for fully overloaded. Um, and we were doing just way too much. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, you know, at that time we like implemented new contracts and new rules and, you know, we implemented things into the company before we did into our own lives. Um, and I think once again, I think you know, when Mel describes that shift in terms of guiding each other and saying, hey, be careful of that tendency to get back into the race. Um, I think that's, that's a, again, another shift. It's like you, you, this is no longer an individual experience, um, at least in this new phase. Um, if you want to do something, it, it's talked about by everybody. If you want a certain amount of money, it's talked about by everybody. Everybody knows how much money we have. Um, everybody knows what we're capable of. Um, everybody knows that no one else in the group is going to um, uh, advance any faster than anybody else. Everybody is going to be moving and supported at the exact same pace. Um, and all those decisions will be made together. I think that also, sorry. No, no, please. No, yeah. Um, I, I think that also, like, I mean, I, in reference to when do we realize it, I think we didn't. And that mm-hmm. was deeply, like, disturbing to see once we saw it. It was impossible to unsee, but it took us forever to see, like, basically, what, like, three, four years or something. Um, but I would say it kind of, it was like a seed, I think, for me that I felt it's not, this is not working. Something is not working. Um, and it was pre-pandemic that we went to, in January of 2020, sorry, time is weird. January of 2020, <laughs> we 
went to Munich or rather I went to Munich in December I spent the holidays there Matt came out in January and we spent some time talking about the business and trying to reflect uh, before you know all all of what is now our lives um, happened uh, or began um, and so I think in that moment we we started talking about like some things really need to change and it was because of you know there was just too much there was overload all these words that we're using are just like i mean yay capitalism like yay keep working make it faster make more make it happen now i need this 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 um and let's get it done yesterday um and just the moment that march came around it came to such a screeching halt for us that it was like, my God, what are we doing? Like we are feeding the monster, I feel like, and we need to stop this way of, of doing things. And while I have no answers, obviously, on how to solve capitalism, <laughs> I'm not an economist, I will never be, but, but I, what I do know is that the key component that we need um, is to just slow, slow down. And that's been like the, the step from, from since January of 2020, it's just drop your pencils, like the test is over and slow down. And like really that already in and of itself is clearly such a antithetical way of working but it's just so necessary in order to get any perspective on the situation and in order to really build a world. Um, you can't build a world quickly, like it's not gonna happen and it's not gonna be built right because the tracks will, you will veer back onto what's the existing path. And so I think I'm not saying we'll be able to do it, but I think that in these kinds of things, you know, we've been asked in the past, like, oh, collective, like so hard because then you have to like, it takes so much time to agree on even just the littlest thing. And I think fabulous, great. That's exactly what we need. We need, if it takes a year to make a decision, let's do it, you know, because every decision that we made was made out of sheer uh, panic, fear, and just let's keep the train moving. Because if we stop it, I don't even know what's going to happen, but it's not going to be good. Um, and so I think that's, while I don't know anything else really yet, <laughs> I know that it, it must be slow and it must be like, it must be built with care because that is our main essential ingredient other than clearly like idealism and uh dreamer mentality <laughs> um two very you know, important ingredients yeah <laughs> we, we we have to you can't build anything with care if you don't build it slowly so i think that's that's the main thing that we do know <laughs> yeah absolutely i will also say that like right as everything was coming to a screeching halt in the pandemic, that need to slow the fuck down has been something that I've been also trying to bring more centrally into, into how I'm trying to do things, 
which comes into like immediate conflict with the academic schedule. Mm. Yes. But that idea of world building and using a, or thinking about a book project in almost, almost utopian terms is almost a way to also create like, some of the thing about the book as almost a science fictional object where it can be, uh, especially with this, these terms of world building or Mel, you jokingly mentioned Dungeons and Dragons, which <laughs> I don't think is too far off in some ways, like designing a system that operates along its own rules and can mm -hmm. put a certain vision into the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just such a wonderful way to envision what this next phase can be with the collective and really start to establish what those goals are, which sounds to be like developing a better world and ecosystem for, for you and your, your coworkers, your collaborators to be working in. Mm -hmm. And that is not something that's capable to do in like a five-year business plan. Right. Yeah. And, and with that comes also like the care that, that we deserve for ourselves, which I think yeah, is another huge flaw of, of candor. It was that if nothing else budged in terms of price or, or making it happen for a project, it was just, okay, well then Matt and I will budge and we'll yeah. just put in extra time and extra efforts and extra labor. And while that's neat, um, <laughs> it's not really sustainable, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's while it's coming from a place of care, un unfortunately, those are still limited resources and um, it, it's, you can't get them back and you have to make them exist in a way where they can re-fulfill re themselves as in, um, how do you say in English? They, they like, like they, rejuvenate or yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking about the title of your of your podcast this is a podcast right yes yes uh of just paper cuts is because I feel like it's such a succinct way of describing that like I think it's really not common for people to know that if you are making books by hand I, I don't know for sure, but I mean, at least I can say for the candor team, a hundred percent of us have sustained injuries yeah. on, you know, quite a lot of times. Um, and I don't think people are so familiar with that idea that like, if people are making books by hand, they're also getting hurt, you know? Yeah. Like the, the physical labor that's behind actually doing this. Yeah. Is... Yeah. I think somehow hidden behind, uh, hidden behind the covers, so to speak. Um, so yeah, like that that recognition of the effort, the labor, the pain, uh, and the injuries that can that can happen is is really really important and is not really brought up to the fore. Um, so I did want to spend a little bit of time also talking about some of your your other collaborators. Uh, you've been working with more recently. So, for example, you've produced uh, several books with Sming Sming books. And I'm wondering, like, how do you how do you enter a collaboration like that? Um, and what are yeah, like, how how do you bring the candor approach to working with another another publisher? And uh, what brought you and Sming Sming together? 
Um, I met Vivian in Los Angeles uh, at Visitor Welcome Center, um, which was a gallery run by also a friend and collaborator, David Bell. Um, and uh, I was in an exhibition there, um, uh, I wanna say 2017 in the fall. And, um, and I was helping David uh, run the bar. Um, and uh, Vivian asked me to grab books behind me for her. And I was like, oh, Sming Sming Books, really cool. And she was like, I'm Vivian. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, so cool. And, um, and I shared that, you know, some of our books were in the other room. Um, and then she uh, had already known of our work as well. And we went to Skylight Books the next day just to hang out and chat. And just through that conversation, we felt that our missions for supporting artists were incredibly similar, particularly in terms of money and in terms of funded projects and how artists get paid out and and that, you know, the creative solutions to um, making a beautiful book with not that much money. And, and so um, we just put it on the table for the future, like, oh, maybe let's make a book together in the future, since that would be kind of easy to figure out money-wise, since we mostly do the same thing or similar things uh, as we approach artists. Um, and so uh, a few months later, um, Vivian proposed uh, White Gaze. Um, by Michelle Dazan and Viet Le. And um, yeah, and so through that, uh, we came up with the creative approach to producing that book um, by hand in our studio, um, which I think at that time was primarily me and Katie making that. Um, Katie hand collated every single book of that project, uh, the first edition of 200, oh, wow. um, which is wild. Um, and yeah, and I did the foil stamping uh, by hand for the covers and, um, and then we had it perfect bound by somebody. But the budget for that project was so tiny. Um, and so, but just tons and tons of labor. And um, yeah, so that was the, the first um, edition. I, uh, we released that in LA at Other Books that February. And, um, and that did not take long to sell out. Um, and then that's when we started doing the second, working on the second edition at which we had um, manufactured. We did, we just used the funds and, and shared the funds um, to um, produce a larger edition. I wanna say of, of 750 and then, and then split the books um, and, and yeah, and, and paid out in the same exact way that we did before. Cool. Yeah, I think I've got the second edition of the book somewhere <laughs> along yeah. that shelf next to all the other Candor books that I've got. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, and then, so you mentioned uh, Katie working on that book. When did uh, Katie and Hannah both join you with Candor um, and how did you meet them? Um, Katie, Katie was the first employee. Um, and um, that was through, I think, a call I put on like Facebook or something. Um, 
for a studio. I don't even remember what I called it. Studio manager, maybe. I have no idea. But I inter- I interviewed literally everybody that applied. And um, I don't know. I felt that me and Katie really hit it off. And it just felt really good. Um, um, you know, um, book binding takes time and you're sitting next to someone for a long time. And so I think it was that, you know, um, we're going to get along and, and be able to have lots of conversations. And, um, and so I want to say that was October, 2016 and time is like so difficult right now to remember correctly. So I could be wrong about that, but maybe we can put an edit if I'm wrong on the text or something, but, um, then that following, um, December, um, uh, I met Hannah through, um, our studio mate at the time, April Sheridan, um, who I believe had taught Hannah at Columbia possibly. Um, but I met Hannah in our studio, um, and, uh, Hannah's insanely skilled, um, beyond everybody, uh, that really pretty much everybody that I know, um, she can craft anything um, to an immense detail. And so I was very excited by the idea of, of working with someone like Hannah because um, she could do things none of us could do. And um, and so that was like a really exciting moment. And she was like, yeah, yeah, cool. I'm just gonna go on a residency for three months in Florida. <laughs> um, but I'll call you when I'm back or whatever. And I was like, you better call us when you're back. You know, you please call us when you're back. And, and she did. And so um, she started basically as soon as she got back. And um, that was when, that, that was the first time that it was, that it was all of us um, was, was that following like spring. Um, and then it was all of us until the pandemic. And she was the only one who had, she has two degrees in bookbinding. Yes, yes. None of us had yes. any. And the only person who was not self-taught. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, Hannah and Katie are individual artists as well. And so they, they have their own practices that are brilliant and prolific. Um, so I encourage everybody listening to check out their work as well. Um, uh yeah it's their their work is all wonderful um cool so i'm also just looking at the time and just thinking before we uh before we wrap up um you both just got back from germany and switzerland uh can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing out there Um, I read a newsletter about moving board shears and the yes. importance and difficulty and danger of doing that. <laughs> um, well, I, I let Matt tell the board shear stories, but um, yes, we were in Munich, which is my hometown, um, as well as Berlin, which is to be our new hometown. <laughs> And uh, Switzerland, which is my place of birth. So it was a grand tour of hometowns, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, 
I mean, we relate those places as in Munich, Switzerland, to places where we often do uh, reflecting and just kind of like talking about bigger picture stuff. Um, and so um, that that's kind of what those places signify to us. Um, and um, like I said, Berlin is to be our our new home base um, in the future uh, for the collective work um, as well as just our our own lives. Um, we kind of had a very roundabout way of getting there that was very serendipitous and beautiful. Um, we met um, a very like-minded business, Outer Space Press, which is run by Claudio Pogo and Magdalena Wysotska. Very similar to Kender Arts um, in the way that they make everything by hand and are super labor-intensive people. <laughs> um, they uh, are located in Berlin and we first met them in LA at the Print and Matter Book Fair. Um, Matt stopped by their table and was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Like, did you make these by hand? Did you, how do you do this, blah, blah, blah? What are your edition sizes? And every single answer that they gave was just the exact answer that we would have given um, to the point of where, you know, Claudio started the project Magda joined the project as his intern at first, then joined the business. Claudio is a photographer. Matt is a photographer. Magda is a printmaker. I'm a printmaker. It is eerily similar. We have video calls where suddenly we're wearing the same outfits. Um, it's, it's like, what's happening? What is this parallel universe situation? Yeah, you just um, your doppelgangers somehow. <laughs> sorry? You just met your doppelgangers somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then oddly enough, they happen to be located in Germany um, where one of them is from, but not both of them. And, <laughs> you know, so same with us. They also, because of that fact, speak English to each other. It's 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 very bizarre circumstance. So we started talking with them um, and we always kind of in the back of our mind had this idea of, well, at some point we might, you know, relocate our business in some way, shape or form to Europe because of my visa and just kind of shifting things around. Um, just given the pandemic and the circumstances of, of their rental situation and our rental situation, um, and everything else, we just thought, hey, what about if we combine our studios? Um, wouldn't that make a lot of sense in terms of just combining machines and combining forces as two small publishers? While we still will do our own things, um, we, we thought that this might be a very sensible, rational way to move forward in a very chaotic time. Um, yeah, it also, the, this conversation, I feel like also started as a joke. Yeah. Like I, th yeah. I think like after we met Claudio and Magda in LA that April, um, 
when I worked the New York Art Book Fair by myself, where I saw you again, yeah. um, I was, our tables were placed next to one another. Um, and so by the end of that weekend, where we had been just talking about the different equipment that we have and stuff, we were just joking, like, okay, well, why don't we just, you know, move in now or, you know, because they had all the equipment we wanted. We had all the equipment they wanted. And so it was just yeah. sort of this joke of like, oh, well, that would not be nice. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and then it was really through that weekend in New York that like we continued just checking in and having phone calls and really just like beginning a really wonderful friendship with um, with two people uh, involved in really similar work. Um, and then, you know, obviously, as those conversations continued into a pandemic, I feel like it was really this, um, Claudio and Magda became this really supportive force for us, like emotionally. And um, just as we were all going through stuff, just being able to talk to each other about the stresses that it's caused of like, you know, being able to keep the doors open or pay the rent and um, you know, like, I feel like they've really seen us at our worst in terms of, uh, you know, our, 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 our moods or the things we were going through, you know, and it's, so it's been really cool, um, that such, that such a beautiful friendship has come out of, uh, come out of this artist books community, but also through kind of a, a pretty difficult time. Yeah, that's, that's just incredible. It makes me very happy to hear that you'll be uh, joining up with them in the same studio. Yeah, yeah us too. <laughs> Logistically, we needed to um, take a trip there because they had found a studio as we were still, you know, stuck here in Chicago. Um, and so we, we got to see the studio for the first time and uh, moved in our first piece of equipment, um, which was very, very exciting to kind of uh, make some progress on something that we had only known through the internet. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, that's wild. That must have been so nice to be able to walk into the space and, and see it after probably just getting like Zoom tours. Totally, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also just, you know, be able to ha feel that camaraderie again um, of just chatting. Yeah. You know, um, and, and uh, being in a space like that um, that we're all so excited about. Um, yeah. And do you know when you'll be uh, moving over there to be working in the space more permanently? Um, not really. I mean, it's basically entirely dependent on the pandemic situation. I think we all thought at a certain time that October was gonna be our like relative timeframe. Um, having just been there, um, it's feeling like things are gonna close down again. Um, but yeah, I guess who the hell knows, you know, <laughs> who has any idea? Um, 
I have no idea. <laughs> um, so it's basically just like we're we're making the baby steps of like everything we can make a step towards. We're making that step. Great. But it's like, um, you know, obviously everything is complicated by the pandemic. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, but, I am. Yeah. Again, I'm I'm glad that you're going to be working with Claudio and Magda and Outer Space Press. And I'm glad that you're making what steps you can before you can make like the, the big steps. Yeah, yeah. And I guess one way to, to maybe close this out on, on a positive note with everything that the pandemic is like bearing down on us is just like the, the idea of the, the community being there for for all of us in different ways during during these times. Mm-hmm. So it's, it is uh, just very heartwarming to hear your your story with them. Yes. Yeah. And it's also not slowing down was the key element. So it's, yes. it's okay. It's yeah. not, while it's very exciting, we want to move on it, it's okay to also do it slowly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, Matt, Mel, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about everything. Um, I'm really excited for you too. Thank you. Yeah, I, we appreciate it so much um, to be invited to a conversation like this. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and for anyone listening at home, how do they how do they keep up with Candor Collective and what's what's happening? Um, we will be like updating the website a little bit in terms of um, you know what what progress we've made and 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 some of those plans. Um, and so there'll be sort of like, if you go to the Candor Arts website, candorarts.com, um, you know, these, these little bits of, of uh, progress that we can share will be, will be added to there. Um, like the Candor Collective will no longer like do services, like mm-hmm. commissions anymore. And so Mel and I are doing that through a new little tiny project that we call M Design Studio, um, which it's just M E M design.studio is the website, which is just, um, you know, like a book design services, book production management um, work, um, which is we previously did through Candor as well. Um, But we feel it's best to sort of separate that into two entities. And so, so yeah, the Candor Collective will be solely, you know, um, funded and collectively published projects. And M Design will be the commission work that we previously did under Candor. So, um, but all of that can be found on the website. And most of that will be, or some of the changes will be reflected once the online store closes, which is in, on September 1st. Cool. All right, well, again, thank you so much for taking the time. And this is. Uh, a real pleasure talking with you. It feels like it's been uh, a long time ago. Yeah, likewise.